Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. Oh, that was awesome. I feel like I want to change my whole message now because you made me feel so good. <laughs> Isn't it amazing when you get in the presence, something that can shift the human heart in the, in the presence of the Lord? Um, I do want to greet anybody. If you're here because of it being James Dean weekend, anybody here that you're not normally Fairmount friends? Anybody at all? We got one in the back. Where are you from? <laughs> Come on, man. That's awesome. This woman over here just invited me in. <laughs> yeah. That woman over there was standing in line with me buying apple dumplings, buying tenderloins, buying, where else were we, buying popcorn. That woman over there is pretty cool. Awesome. Well, great, man. You're always welcome. Um, Mo, what I like about that is, and especially where I want to go with this morning, um, is just this past week, I have been feeling some heaviness in my spirit. Um, and it talks about these mountains I can't climb, the pain I hold inside, these waters that are raging wild. Um, it just talks about just all the conflict that we experience. And as I've been kind of working through some of that in my own personal kind of spiritual journey with Jesus this week, um, that song just ministered so much to me. And so I just appreciate you being obedient to Jesus. Um, how many of y'all know sometimes we don't know what our obedience is going to do as it impacts the lives of others around us? And sometimes our obedience isn't even about ourselves. Sometimes our obedience is, I'm going to walk to church, and I'm going to meet somebody, and I'm going to invite them in that you have no idea could completely change the trajectory of somebody else's life. Um... Obedience matters, doesn't it? Something that Morris did probably three or four years ago was, um, I think that Kathy, you were asking people to do special music and had even specifically asked Morris. And Morris kind of did the same thing. He's like, I'm not good at this, you know. But he says, but when, he, I, was, I was trained and raised that whenever you're asked of something in the church, the answer's yes. And I'll stand up here and I'll, and I'll do it. To honor the Lord. And that man has just so rung true years later. Um, and then he gets up and, and does it again and just, just ministered a lot to me. Um, so thank you for that. And I'm going to probably reference it some more. We've got some guys in the back. We have these half sheet um, pieces of paper. Can you guys pass these around um, a little bit? I want everybody to get a half sheet of paper because we're going to write some, some things down. And I want us to go on a little bit of a journey together emotionally today. All right? So can we all do this with our hearts? Can we go and try to get these things to pop open, get these hearts wide open? And if you need a pen, we can get you a pen. Um, if you need um, something to write with, a, a pencil, anything, um, just get ready. We can uh, make those 
make that happen for you. What I have up here today, this is my kitchen table. And I got this kitchen table from uh, a few years ago. We had a boutique right here on Main Street, and we had it with Orca Blackburn. And uh, we got this table from Orca. The thing looks like it's 100 years old, and, uh, and it's got probably enough food stuck in it to feed us for another 100 years between all of the popcorn that's stuck in there, all of the crumbs, the Doritos that are in this table. But I'll tell you why I like this table because it's small enough and it's tight enough for our family to sit close. And whenever we come around this table, there is something very unique and special that happens. Y'all have a certain table that just matters to you? Anybody out there? Okay, there's a couple of you. That Anybody got a, a chair? Like, ooh, that's my chair. My butt just forms perfectly right in there. I can just lean back, my back, my arm rests, my, I got the gulp holder right there on the side, whatever it is. But for me, it's this table and this kitchen table that has kind of been through some of the most formative years of my kids' lives. This is where we've had a lot of talks, where we've had a lot of, you're not getting up from this table until you finish all of your food. It's had a lot of tickles, where I walk the little tickle man across, and they are freaking out, and they are giddy, and and all of a sudden, Tickle Man jumps underneath the table and grabs their legs. Like, this is, is that table. It also has this longer kind of drop bottom underneath it, so it sits right on top, of my, on top of my legs. So I just lift my toes up a little bit, and all of a sudden, the table is levitating. That's a cool trick as well. The kids are freaking out, and I'm like, whoa, until they get old enough and they realize it's dad. Dad doesn't have any magic tricks. He's just a dad. This table is significant and it bears weight in our lives. It's a place of connection. It's a place of a lot of fun. It's also a place of vulnerability. It's a place where we come and share our hearts. It's a place where we cry. It's a place where we do homework. It's a place where I get up early and sit all by myself with my coffee and my Bible. And I encounter Jesus at this table. Alyssa and I were talking about this table this past week, and we both are in tears talking about, this is like an altar, really, of worship where you come. It's like an altar of memorial. Like when I come back to this table, I remember. Y'all know that whenever they, like Israel, when they left Egypt, they would build altars. When they crossed the Red Sea, they built altars. Whenever they had these big breakthroughs, they would build an altar. And it was an altar of, of memorial. When we come back, remember the Lord your God, how he brought you out of Egypt. Remember the Lord your God, how he rescued you. This is a place of remembering what God has done in and through our family. This thing right here. And it's just a piece of wood in and of itself. But what it represents is something so much greater. This past week has been something that's just reminded me of kind of the fascinating times in which, in which we live. I actually attended my first sporting event this past week at the Madison Grant homecoming volleyball game. And it used to be like you come running off of the court and you give high fives and your fist bump and everything. Now you get a squirt of hand sanitizer on your hands as you come off the court. I was like, what fascinating times that we're living in. Uh, used to, you know, you shake hands and you're, you know, with the other team and you're wishing good luck and all this sort of stuff. Now you just like walk up to the net and wave at each other is how the sporting event started. It's just different, just different times 
um, that we're living in. And I feel something starting to affect me. And I might be six months late to the COVID game on actually feeling the weight of it, but I'm starting to feel it when it specifically comes to our church family. And I'm feeling that we're not all here. And I'm aching. And I'm feeling that it's elongated with no end in sight. And that puts a little ache inside of my heart. That there's no light at the end of the tunnel of us ever coming back to worship together like we once had before. And I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that there's a difference. This last week, Pastor Andrew and I, we, we met. And we met on Wednesday. We're going to meet for an hour. We end up meeting for three hours talking about just the reality of the church. One of the things that we heard loud and clear from last week was this person isn't here and they feel like they've been left out. This person isn't here and they need prayer. This person hasn't been coming and they don't feel like they're connected to the church. And so Andrew and I are sitting in this thinking, are we not doing enough as pastors? I'll tell you, we've never pastored through a pandemic before. And to pastor people that don't attend church is a new thing. It's like a new deal we're trying to figure out. And so for me, it hit me like I'm not doing enough. And we do, what we do is an overflow of who we are. And so if I'm not doing enough, therefore am I not enough? Anybody ever felt that? I'm just not enough. I can't do enough. I'm not making enough. I'm not cute enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't have that family. I didn't make that thing in my marriage. I didn't, it didn't work out enough. I'm not safe enough. I'm not secure enough. I'm not smart enough. So the last couple days, I've been sitting in this feeling a little bit. And whenever you hear those words that are spoken, maybe from a spouse, maybe from a friend, a boss, a coworker, the first question, this is just good, practical, the first question you've got to ask is, as I'm receiving this information, is it true? Because if it's not true, I've got to dismiss it because it could just be lies from the enemy. But if there's truth in it, okay, then what do I do with that, with that truth? I need to own this reality that maybe more is required of me. Y'all know what I'm talking about whenever we work through some of these different realities. This past week, Andrew and I, we wrote down a list of people who haven't been coming to church since COVID. And by the end of this, of our, of our writing letters, we'll have written 42 handwritten letters to church families to send out just to say we're thinking of you. And we love you. And we want to be with you. And we're aching that we're not with you. Um, and to communicate those things. Having people communicate value and worth absolutely matters, does it not? To the two Ps, and I say this often, that helped me get my perspective back is the presence and its people. And so whenever Morris is up here singing, I just felt, man, I just engaged in the presence. He is telling me that he is with me. I set my eyes upon the hill where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I know that he is walking this, this, this path with me. He, as Isaiah says, he passes through the waters with me. He is on this road with me. And then just the importance of people having voices that are reaching out. And I'll tell you, isolation 
can be a place where it gets really dark. And that's why I'm aching for our family to be back together. Because when we isolate, it gets to loneliness and despondency and really kind of some dark places mentally and physically and psychologically where we're so disconnected. We weren't created to live socially distanced. I understand for a season, maybe physically distanced, but not socially. Socially, we've got to engage, right? We've got to be in conversation and, and have heart connects with one another all of the time because the heart was designed to socially engage. What's fascinating during these times is an older generation that looks at the younger generation saying that they don't socially engage because they're just on screens, and now we see all of the young people that are out socially engaging while the old people stay at home and they watch life happen through the screen. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's fascinating. It's interesting times, is it not? The social things that are happening and inside of my heart, I'm like, no, I'm aching inside. Something has, a, has big time affected me because of all of this. Even as we enter this season, it always affects the church whenever it's, it's harvest, right? Farmers are, are busy and people are out doing things. And, and over the course of the summer, people are traveling and they're at the lakes. And, and it's just, it just felt like all of us has been disrupted inside of the church. And so it just kind of leaves me in this, in this place where I want to go mentally down the road a little bit further and say, will we ever get back to a place where we once were? Who would have thought that normal would have been so good to come back to a place where we can worship together in person, face to face, where we can speak value to one another face to face, not on a phone, not in a letter, but hugging, holding, touching. I was downstairs in the basement just a minute ago, and Jane Landis is down there. Jane Landis, my kindergarten teacher. Liberty Elementary. Rest in peace, Liberty. And I'm down there, and I see Jane, and I haven't seen Jane in months. And I walk up to the door, and I know where Jane's at with all of this. I said, Jane, I just want to squeeze you. She goes, I know. <laughs> ah. And maybe this is my four on the Enneagram coming out. I'm just... There's just something in me that just is sad, right? And in those places, I feel like, okay, then, then we got to do more. We got to do, we're not doing enough. And, 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 it, and it leaves almost like we can come to this place where we hyperventilate in things that we can't even control. <sighs> and so with this half sheet of paper, I want you to write down some areas. Where do you feel like over the course of the last six months, over the last 60 years, you've been told you're just not doing enough. You're not enough. You don't have enough. You're not going to be safe enough. You're not going to be loved enough. You don't bring enough to the table. Write some of those things down. I just don't feel like I'm enough. Go ahead, write them down. Dale's got some pens, some pencils. I want to sit in this just for a minute to kind of work through. We've got a few people that need some pens and some paper. Some areas where maybe we don't feel like we're enough. Maybe in marriage. Maybe there's been some words from our spouses that they've said. And you just feel like, man, I'm not bringing enough to this marriage. Or I'm not pretty enough. 
because his eyes are constantly wandering outside of our covenant. Or I'm not bringing enough because she gets so much joy and entertainment out of some other guy at work and I just don't provide that. Or I don't make enough and she tells me. She wants all of these other things. and I'll never be able to provide enough for her. I don't, I don't feel like I'm enough. Maybe, maybe you've been in a new marriage. Maybe it's after divorce or after being a widow. And now we compare ourselves to our spouse's previous husband, to our spouse's previous wife. Man, they had a, this marriage. And, and am I enough? Am I going to be more than enough? And we compare ourselves amongst ourselves. Maybe we've been in relationships where we've broken up. Maybe you've been divorced. Somebody else left you in the marriage. You just feel, I, I just wasn't enough. I didn't do it for them. I didn't provide enough for them. I didn't give them the thrill and the adventure or the excitement. I'm not enough for them. So they would just rather move on from me and go somewhere else. How about sibling rivalries? Your brother, he was always the superstar in sports. Your sister was always the better singer. Dad had a favorite son. Mom had a favorite daughter. For whatever reason, I just didn't match up. Somebody else took the spotlight. Somebody else had the attention of our parents. We can spend our whole lives kind of aching for approval, right? And chasing after approval. And truly, I'll tell you, our hearts were designed to receive affection and love and validation, approval. The soul is bent toward that, to get that validation, number one, from our Father God, and number two, from our, from our parents, from our families. Probably outside of that, of the context of an extended family is maybe teachers, coaches, college professors, people that can tell us, you've got what it takes. I see you. You're seen. I validate you. You've got it. And to speak those. Maybe instead you were told that you're not enough. You'll never amount to anything. I'm so displeased in you. You never heard, I love you and I'm proud of you. If you did nothing else the rest of your life, my heart is so in love with you. Because it's not about what you can do, it's about who you are and I love you. Maybe those words, you're like, dude, that's a foreign language. I've never heard that. And after it's all said and done, the human soul will go to great lengths to get that approval. Like great lengths. I will do a song and a dance on the stage of life to get anybody to look and to approve and to validate. And we can chase it. Still feeling after we do all of it that maybe we still didn't bring enough. So if I can't get it through personal interaction, maybe I can find it even online. And this generation is going to online. If I don't have those physical relationships, maybe if I put this post, I'll get enough likes on my picture. Don't shout me down. And I'll get enough notifications and enough dings on my, on my post. And maybe I'll get enough comments on on my comment and in my, in my Facebook or on my Instagram and then I'll start counting likes and that'll feed me somehow. And you know what we immediately do? Because it's already in us. But I didn't get as many likes as Becky did on hers. 
I didn't get as many likes as Kevin. I'm just not enough still. And we chase it, right? And we'll go to, to any sort of links to get it. And one more ding on the cell phone, maybe it feeds something. Simon Sinek, he, he talks about how the, how the human brain is wired and we actually get a, a shot like a high inside of us when our phone buzzes or dings. So somebody's reaching out to me, I'm important. And when that stuff isn't coming, we were left aching. No longer is my body telling me and giving me these amazing reactions that I'm needed or wanted. It's nobody really cares. The phone's not ringing. The calls aren't coming. The likes aren't there. And we're left wondering, am I really enough? Recently, I had this conversation with Alyssa. And Alyssa had done some pretty amazing things for me. Like... Blew me away, amazing. And I'm on the phone with her, and I follow up with, can you do more? It's not enough. You got any more? And she, because she's a baller, she's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, gotcha, is left. She didn't really put me in my place, although it was coming, still had this moment of, I just, I just can't be enough. It's just not enough. And it's communicated from my heart to her, and I feel like I'm a good guy, I'm a good husband. I can't imagine those that are intentionally abusive to say you're not enough. And I communicated that to my own wife. I had to follow up and say, if you never did anything else, you are more than enough. You're enough. I wonder how many times we also come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need more from you. I need you to do something else. You need to heal me. You need to do a breakthrough in the marriage. You need to do this. You need to get my heart right. You need to do all of these sort of things because right now it's not enough. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for saving me from my sins. Thank you for giving me an eternal life in heaven and rescuing my heart from the pit of hell. But that's not enough. What I really need is... I just wonder how many times we can even communicate that to Jesus. And his heart back to you is, you had nothing to offer and you were plenty for me to go to the cross. It's enough. It's enough for me to totally lay my life down. And so where we've got to come is, what is the bridge that's going to cross the gap between who I want to be and the reality of who I'm not people's expectations of what they want me to deliver and what I just can't. The only bridge, I believe, is the cross of Christ that's strong enough to handle bringing me to who I need to become or freeing me from the expectations of others. To just say disconnected from what anybody else thinks this is who I am before Jesus and I'm enough. I just got to come to the cross and find myself that I'm enough, that he loves me, that he set his affection upon me, whether dad ever did or not, whether mom ever validated that or not, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to get healed in the presence. I'm good because he can make us good. There's times even in leading in the church, perhaps you feel it too. You're raising kids. You got kids, you're working at these hours, you're running here, you're going to 
basketball and gymnastics and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're heading off to men's group and you got women's group at, at night and you're in your life group and you're like, oh my gosh, and I got to serve my family and I got to serve in my town and I got, oh, and then people say, you missed it on this one. And you're like, I'm, I'm just not doing enough. And you're left, all you do is you just disappoint people. You feel the weight of living in disappointment. I want to encourage us to come to the presence. I've had to fight to get in the presence this week, y'all. And man, is God faithful. He's faithful in the presence. He's faithful when we pursue those things of the presence. You got a few things written down? I want you to take this serious, to write down some areas where, man, I'm just kind of struggling through feeling this. Dr. Brene Brown, she calls this society in which we live, she she calls it a a scarcity culture. And she describes a scarcity culture like this, that we never have enough, never good enough, never safe enough, smart enough, funny enough, or certain enough. And so we walk around feeling like we live in scarcity. And when the human heart feels like it's in scarcity, it feels like poverty. The overflow of a poverty spirit starts making really bad moves. It just moves in wrong ways. Just a minute ago, I had run back to the parsonage, back to the house to grab something. And I hear Ronnie and Nora, I hear them, ask kind of loud, Dad, is Dad home? I can smell him. I don't know if that's good or bad. And Nora comes running down the stairs into the, into the kitchen. She goes, Dad. She looks around the corner. She goes, you are home. And she runs up to me. And she goes, I could smell you. And, and I'm like, Nora, is that, a, is that a good thing? She goes, I don't know. You just have a smell. And she, and, she, and she comes up and she smells my beard. She says, I can smell you. Do you know how good that felt? To have somebody say, I recognize you. You do something to me. I see you. It's, it's causing something. And I can, I, I, when I see you, when I smell you, when I hear you, I want to come to you. I run to you. There was something that hit my spirit. It was a little kiss from God. I'm so thankful that I forgot my notes at home. So I had to run home and get them. And... Jesus meets me, hey, I just want to tell, give you, I want to tell you through your daughter. Oh, it's powerful. The importance of people. We've got to have those life-giver people, right, that are in our lives. And Nora comes up in her five-year-old, 28-pound self, comes running up to me and validates those things. A few things and the significance of why I've got my table up here this morning. We see Jesus at the table often. And Jesus is always with a unique crowd when he sits at the table. In Luke chapter 11, verse 37, it says, Now he had spoken, and a Pharisee asked him, this is Jesus, asked Jesus to have lunch with him. And so Jesus went, and Jesus reclined at the table. I like the picture of Jesus kicking it, just chilled. It says that he reclined, not even sitting up, not even trying to, you know, utterly engage He's just sitting with a bunch of guys that don't like him. (laughs) He's sitting with a bunch of Pharisees that are coming for his throat. They're plotting to kill him, and Jesus just sits with them at the table. 
there's something interesting and fascinating about a table that can just unite hearts. There it goes on in Matthew chapter 26, verse 7. It says, a woman came to Jesus with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head, and Jesus reclined at the table. Mm. Jesus begins to speak truth to the Pharisees, and Jesus receives worship from the woman. It's a place of a great exchange, is the table. There's another table that I love, and it comes out of Psalm 23. And it talks about, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He, he leads me into to, to green pastures. And then it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. The idea of this table is when the world is crashing in, when we are heading off to war and the enemy is coming after us, Jesus says, we need to sit. We need to sup. We need to have a little time together. Right in the face of your enemies. When, when the storms of life are coming in, when the mountains seem too high, when the winds are blowing, I want to sit with you in a moment like that. And I want to have this exchange with you. This last week, we kind of had a little time with Judah. This has probably been one of our toughest weeks with Judah. And we've had multiple phone conversations with his teacher and where he's just not crushing it. And he's got a little bit of an attitude and he's got a little dinged up heart with some things going on. And so Judah has his folder of homework that he's supposed to be bringing home and his report card. And all of a sudden, we can't find his folder with his report card and all of his homework. So the teacher calls, we're on the phone. I personally put it in his backpack, she said. It should be home, it's nowhere to be found. Judah, a little sneaky sneak. So we're looking all over this house. We can't find his folder. We can't find his homework. He's backed up two weeks on homework. So all of his grades reflected that. So Alyssa starts pressing in on him. Judah, we need to find this. We need to get this. We need to do whatever. And y'all know whenever you're caught in a lie, you got to keep lying in order to keep it going. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're all Quakers. You don't lie. <laughs> and so now he's got to build the story. And his stomach is churning. Okay, how, what's the next step? Okay, and you're trying to make sure that all the storylines are, are accurate and right. And no, I had it here. Maybe it's on the bus. And all, it's unbelievable how creative this kid can get in his deceptive spirit. Eventually it comes to, he goes upstairs. And wouldn't you know it, he found miraculously found this folder. And Alyssa's like, you gotta be kidding me. I flipped your room upside down. And he goes, I don't know, where, I, I just found it. Well, where did you find it? I, isn't it amazing? I found it. Let's just focus on the good thing, parents. I found the folder. Let's just focus on that. And then dad walks in the room and the tone gets really serious. I said, hey Judah, were you lying? Hey buddy, are you lying? Did you intentionally hide the folder? Yeah. Where did you put it? I hid it in the attic behind your closet, behind all of your clothes. Why did, why did you do that? 
because I knew you would check in my room, so I hid it in yours. <laughs> Brilliant. So guess where we took him? And Judah sat right here. And he starts sharing his heart. How he just, he's not getting it. And he's frustrated and he's overwhelmed and he feels picked on and he feels all of this stuff starts coming out. And then my heart shifts from being the disciplinarian to I want to partner with my boy. And I got to get this kid through in his heart. I'm not saying fourth grade. I'm saying get him through in his heart. He's jammed up. We got to go. We got to get someplace. And there's areas where you get tripped up, where somebody says that you're not enough, you can't do it, you're never going to whatever, right? And it's going to keep you locked at 10 years old. Some of us have been locked since we were 10. And it takes us back. I'm just not enough. I haven't done it. I haven't been validated. Do you see me? Do I have what it takes? And so I sit with him. I said, Judah, you've got two weeks of homework that we're going to get done tonight. We're not getting up from this table until it's all done. You could feel the weight come on this, this kid. And then Alyssa comes and just speaks truth. And she says, Judah, I am committed to fourth grade. And I'm committed to you. And if my boy suffers, I suffer with him. So we're all going to sit up all night at this table and we're going to get you through tonight. And so then I said, it went from like discipline to like, we're going to, this is going to be a night. This is going to be a, an altar of memorial where I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make pizza. We're, we're going to go out and get ice cream. And he's like, okay. His heart starts awakening. And we're going to sit at this table all night long until we get through it tonight. We're going to win and we're going to celebrate. And we're going to set up the table in the face of our enemies. And we're going to destroy these things of doubt that I don't have what it takes. These words that I'm not enough. We're going to bust you through at 10. We're going to do this thing. All right, and we're gonna come to the table and we're gonna work through it and we're gonna be enough. We're gonna be more than conquerors because we've got Jesus Christ inside of us. So can we do this, buddy? Yeah. Come on, can we do this? Yeah. If I'm in it with you, can we do this? Yeah, we can do this. And before long, we're drying the tears of all of our eyes and we're focused on something much higher than who we're not. We're focused on who we are through Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, we need to come to a table this morning where we can get healed of being 10, of being 25, of being 33, whatever those things were that locked us up, where we can say, you know what? Jesus is bigger than yesterday. He's the God of today. He's the God of yesterday. He's the God of tomorrow forever. And if we suffer, he suffers with us. You are enough for me to go to the cross and to suffer with you, to bust you bust you through and to get you past whatever fourth grade hangups we constantly are living in. We're enough. You have enough. You bring enough to the table. And I want to encourage us, church family, we've got to go to another place. And it happens because we get in the presence and we get people around us to say, I'm going to jump in the ditch with you and we're going to go. We got to go.
and speak life to each other. Church family, can I encourage you in the same way that Andrew and I have tried to pick it up on encouraging the church family outside of here? Can you be intentional to speak life? Can we be just a church family, not just a pastoral staff that needs to do it? Can we be a family that comes around one another that can do it? We need all hands on deck to help our family bust through. These are heavy times. We are seeing that. And for all of us to be intentional, to communicate that life and that love to one another. On the other side of this piece of paper, will you flip it over? And will you write areas where you are enough, where you do have what it takes, where Jesus says, I value this about you. I see this inside of you. I'll tell you this, inside of every young boy, I believe they have a question. And the question is this, do I have what it takes? And they've got to get that question answered, usually by other men that speak life and say, come on, young buck, you've got what it takes. You can do this. You can, you can go after it. And if that question is never answered by a father or other grown men leaders, men will grow up, they will work themselves to death in a job to try to prove that they've got what it takes. And I believe that the same, a similar question is inside of every young girl is, do you see me? Do you see me? Am I lovely? Watch, let me twirl for you. Let me spin for you. Let me dance for you. Do you see me? This morning as I'm getting ready, guess what Ronnie was doing? Hey, Dad, look. Hey, Dad, look, 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 look. Hey, Dad, watch. Hey, Dad, watch this. Dad, look, 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 look. She wants the eyes on her. Nora, hey, Dad, watch this. Dad, 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 Dad. hey, watch. Dad, hey, Dad, watch, watch, watch me. Dad, watch this. Do you see me? And maybe you've never felt like anybody has seen or seen that value in you. And so we'll chase that approval in any other man that will give us the time of day and we chase it. Or other women to see me and value me. And church family, let's start validating and approving and speaking you are more than enough. You are good. You are good. Jesus makes you good. You're good. So this morning, I want to pray for our family. Let's not listen to the, eyes of the, the lies of the enemy. He says that you're not old enough, you're not young enough, you're not cool enough, you didn't make enough money, whatever those enoughs are. Jesus is always more than enough. And I, I believe he wants to heal our family this morning. Would you all stand with me and let's pray together over this. Jesus, we want to come to your table where you set up a table for us, where you change the storyline, where we've been locked up, where we've been dinged up, where we feel like all of life is backing up on us, where we don't feel like we're enough from our parents, from our spouses, from our friends. Maybe we're not enough in the eyes of the world. We don't make enough. We're not smart enough or funny enough. Jesus, I pray that our church family would feel like we're more than enough because of you. Jesus, I pray that those that are disconnected from just attending church, Lord, that you would put a love and a security of relationship deep inside of their spirits. Those that are just even watching online, God, they would feel like they're a part of something. Jesus, in our, this, this unreal times that we live in, Lord, I pray that you would hedge our health mentally, that we would feel connected and loved on. 
by one another and by you. And now, church, I just want you to ask Jesus just to heal those, those deep wounds and those pockets of hurt in your heart. Many times they come from fathers and they come from mothers. Jesus, would you heal us? Jesus, heal me. Make me whole. Make me whole, Lord. Do a work in us, Lord. Jesus, we just say back to you, you are enough. The cross is enough. You're more than enough. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.